<laughs> so our passage today is from the Gospel of Mark. And this passage is often described as a mini apocalypse because as Nancy is about to read, it does not end in a very happy place. But this gospel starts with Jesus and the disciples going to the temple, to the Holy of Holies, where, Jesus, where God was thought to literally reside in. It was thought that God abided in there. And so I can imagine what it must have felt like for the disciples to go to this holy place where God was supposed to be. I've, I've felt that at places. Maybe you felt it too. I remember when I was in college and did study abroad, going to the, some of the cathedrals in Europe, and as stained glass illuminated people's faces around me, thinking, God is so in this place. Or I remember hiking with my husband, backpacking through California, surrounded by the beauty of the mountains. John Muir's words came to me that there is no holier temple than this, right? And God's presence was so in that place. And I feel that here when I sit in this sanctuary with all of you. Um, poet Sinsalak, who's coming later today, describes it as the belly of God. And we sit here in the belly of God and we're surrounded by the prayers of people that came before us who said the same words as we just said, the Lord's Prayer, throughout time. And the Spirit of God is in this place. And now, now leaving that holy of holies, the disciples, I can imagine their awe and their wonder and their amazement and their remark about how large those stones are and how tall these buildings are. But Jesus doesn't get on board with their awe and their wonder and their amazement. No, instead, he actually talks about destruction. He says, actually, those stones are all going to fall and these buildings are going to crumble. It's not exactly, I feel like, where the disciples anticipated Jesus going. But it's interesting to know because Mark was writing sometime around 66 to 73 CE. And at that same time was the first Jewish-Roman war. And that first war, much like our own war for independence here in America, was around taxation. See, the Romans were taxing the Jewish people, and the Jews finally said, we have had enough, and they revolted. But Rome came in with their iron fist, and instead of taking more from the people, they said, fine, we'll go to that which is most precious and sacred to you, and we will destroy that. And so they pillaged the temple, taking all that was worth anything from that place and claiming it for the empire, the oppressor. And so I can think about what the author of Mark was, was going through at that time, right? Was he, was he in the midst of sitting amongst the rubble of the temple that had fallen? Was he in the midst of the crisis that was to come? Mark was living in an uncertain time, and we, we too are living in uncertain times. But I wonder, 
I wonder what the building blocks we are choosing to build our lives on, maybe especially in the midst of these uncertain times are. A reading from the Gospel of Mark. As he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. Then Jesus asked him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. When he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will this be? And what will be the sign that all these things are about to be accomplished? Then Jesus began to say to them, Beware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he, and they will lead many astray. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but, in the, end is, but the end is still to come. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places, there will be famines. This is but the beginning of the birth pangs. Here's what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. So recently, or actually before we start, let's pray. Be in a spirit of prayer with me. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be glorified in your sight. For you, O oh God, are our rock, and you, O oh God, are our redeemer. Amen. Okay, not everyone has children, I know, but imagine, or how many of you can imagine what it is like to have a little one who wakes them up at all hours of the night? Just maybe even creatively imagine, or you've seen movies, or you, yes, yes, wit up there with like, you were like an air traffic controller of experience back there. <laughs> so for those of you who can imagine this with me, my husband Dan and I recently got two nights away. Two whole nights. Yeah, <laughs> whoever shouted, that is exactly right. <laughs> that is what it, we have been blessed this past month with a parade of family coming into town. And when my mom was in town for two weeks recently, she told us when she came, she said, you have to get away. It will be good for you. Now, I think she also wanted some one-on-one -on -one grandma time with our daughter, Eliza. And I also think that she wanted two less people in the house getting in her way. So it was a win-win for everybody. Dan and I got away. Grandma got Eliza time in a little bit quieter home. And Deanna and I, friends, we slept. We took naps. We woke up when we were ready to wake up, not when our adorable, joy-filled morning bird sang her song at four or five o'clock in the morning. No, we, we, like, I got to stretch in bed. I was like, I don't know, last time I did this, it feels great. Um, we did crossword puzzles and drank coffee. We read books and watched movies. And I will say it was kind of a rainy two days on Lake Michigan. And so there wasn't a ton that we could do 
outside. There wasn't that pressure or pull that I often feel to, to be taking advantage of every opportunity that I can possibly take advantage of, like what places can we visit? And um, Dan wasn't, wasn't you know, tempted by the breweries or wineries and taking advantage of his designated driver right now since I'm pregnant. Um, no, we, we got to nestle into the little cabin where we stayed. And it was so good. And we also discovered just the joy of being with one another. And we also discovered a Jenga set on our first night. Now, Dan and I grew up in the early 90s, prime Jenga playing time. I don't know if any of you raised kids. I see, I see some nods. Rose kids during that age of, of Jenga being especially popular. The game where you stack blocks on top of each other and you precariously try to peel them out of place. And I remember as a little girl, I loved the sense of danger and excitement of pulling Jenga blocks, especially like the really, <laughs> we're gonna see how this goes, really precariously placed ones at the bottom. Oh, this is gonna be like a interactive experience, guys. We don't know how this is gonna go. I loved pulling the most precarious pieces that I could, that sense of adventure and excitement, that sense of the unknown, that honestly I only really love in games. I do not love in life at all. I really like calculated risks in my life. And, and Dan and I found ourselves playing this game. And, um, oh, no. Well, sometimes things wibble and wobble and eventually topple. <laughs> that was supposed to happen later, but that's okay. Just like life, it happens when you least expect it. So, Dan and I found ourselves playing a very different game than little Kendra played. We found ourselves playing very strategically, right? We, we were very intentional and thoughtful about what pieces we pulled so that that didn't happen right away. Although, well, I won't rat out who was the better Jenga player, but let's just say that one of us was superior. Um, <laughs> we were very intentional with the pieces that we pulled. We were thoughtful and we took our time as we played. But inevitably, in the game of Jenga, as you stack higher and higher, the tower inevitably will become more and more unstable. And it will eventually wibble and wobble, and it will eventually fall. And as we were playing this game, I couldn't help but wonder about our life and what pieces maybe we were pulling from our tower, the ways that we were making our own life unstable. I couldn't help but wonder what pieces had we placed at our foundation that were, were the ultimate supports for us. Reading the passage from today, I hear Jesus' remarks not as some comment about the great by and by, right? Like we think about apocalypse and we think about something that happens a long time from now, or at least hopefully most of us do. Um, think about the apocalypse as something that's gonna happen a long time or it's a metaphor. But, but I actually hear Jesus' words more of a caution about how we live life. 
about what we put as our foundation, what building blocks we choose to use, what things maybe aren't of God, what are the things that are spoken by false messiahs trying to lead us astray. When we listen to those voices, right, when we claw and we cling, especially to those people and voices that claim to be right and righteous but maybe aren't of the way of God, we can feel the wavering. We can feel the unsteadiness. We can find ourselves, I don't know if anyone else does this, but like right before when the the Jenga starts to get a little wobbly, I like hold my breath, like that's gonna save the tower from toppling. We find ourselves holding our breath, waiting, hoping that it won't all come crashing down. And it's interesting to note that when Jesus is speaking these words from our scripture today, it's actually happening during Holy Week, a time that was really unstable for Jesus. See, just two chapters before, in Mark 11, we have Jesus' Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. And this, this entry is happening at the same time that the Roman Empire is putting a tighter and a tighter hold on the city of Jerusalem. See, remember, we're at that time of the Jewish-Roman War, and there's that fear or actuality of revolt, and Rome will not let it stand. And so Jesus, in opposition to the power and the performance of Rome, comes in not on some white horse as a shining knight. (laughs) As some great parody, he comes in riding a donkey, saying that the things that you find important and powerful Those are not the ways of God. See, Jesus has already turned the tables at the temple by the time that he talks about these stones falling. He's found people buying and selling, turning this place that was supposed to be sacred, he says, into a, a corrupted place. And so it seems fitting this week that when the foundations of Jesus' life start to wibble and wobble and falter, as the Pharisees and Sadducees' murmuring gets louder and louder, as the people who were closest to Jesus and maybe a little bit disappointed that he wasn't going to be some sort of revolutionary warlord messiah, but a prince of peace, as those voices are getting louder Jesus warns us about the ways that when we follow things that are not of God, our life, our world, those things that we hold as most important, the places where we feel that God is, can start to feel like they're shaking too. This week, many of you maybe saw it as you entered into the sanctuary, but this week our visual arts ministry team and especially Deb and Roy Giampali and Matt Stout hung a beautiful exhibit in our gallery that talks about the life of Jesus. You get to walk from the Annunciation with Mary all the way through to the resurrection and then the road to Emmaus. Emmanuel, God with us, God's presence at work in the world around us, 
is portrayed by Renaissance engravers, by pop artists with a goldfish bag, and even by a sixth grader's beautiful portrayal of Jesus coming out of the tomb. These pieces of art through time tell a story of the foundation upon which Jesus's life is built. They tell the story of a single mother, unwed, who is told by an angel about what her life will hold. And when she could choose fear, instead she chooses faith. And then we see, we see a rendering of the three wise ones who come from the East bringing gifts, gifts that tell about what Jesus' life will hold. And we see generosity. And then we see the story of Anna in the temple when Jesus was being named and blessed and celebrated as a baby by his community. And we see the value of community. These are foundational. And the gallery goes on. There there are stories of loaves and fishes being multiplied, of everyone having enough. There are renderings of feet being washed, of bread being broken, of a body being tenderly laid in a tomb, and there is love. There's a portrayal of Jesus in a boat on the Sea of Galilee and the tempest raging around them, the storm crashing in, and again, the disciples are afraid, fear, is such an option for all of our lives. And yet Jesus speaks of peace to them. Peace is foundational. See, there are things that I believe, (laughs) that I hope are foundational in my life. I hope that my life is built on love and compassion and justice, right? These are things that I cling to. But there are also times, I'm not going to build up the towers because I did last time, but there are also times where things pull away at my life. Maybe it's my desire to be seen as professional, right? Which is tied to my ego and so many other things for me. I'm sure you all have things too, right? And in this desire to be seen as a professional person in the world, I sometimes take my attention away from my little one who just wants me to sing E-I-E-I-O for the millionth time with her. And my tower becomes a little less stable. There are times where I maybe want to see be seen as productive, right? I want to get the most out of my life and do all the things that I can, and I rush, and I rush, and I rush, and I miss a sunrise, or I miss a smile, or I ignore my mother's phone call because I don't have time to talk, and my tower becomes a little less stable. And so I wonder for us, for all of us, 
What are those things that we want to build our lives on? What are those things that start to take away? And maybe what Jesus is calling us to isn't (laughs) what the ultimate goal in Jenga is, right? The goal in Jenga is to make this immensely tall, Swiss cheese-like tower. But maybe what Jesus is reminding us today and what we are called to is to maybe a little bit more wholeness, to putting our pieces back, to feeling the ways that God and community can help bring a little bit more center for all of us in our lives. Now, I don't think this is the magic fix all. (laughs) I think we're human and I think it's hard But for me, and for all of you, I hope and I pray that we may be intentional about the building blocks upon which our lives are constructed. That grace is part of that, the knowledge that we won't always get it right, but that we come back time and time again knowing that even if things feel like they have toppled and fallen apart, God's love still surrounds us in the midst of it all. And that maybe, like when you play the game of Jenga and everything falls over, there's a chance for laughter and love to come sweeping in in that moment too. And I pray that maybe we stop being about the work of building big, tall Swiss cheese towers and we about be about the work of holding each other in wholeness and love and grace. May it be so for me and for each and every one of you. Amen.